if you could do me a favor, you know, if you ain't that busy, if you could throw us down a couple blessings, you know, like one that I don't mess up being a manager. Uh, we're just three cats and never played a single snap. Here to tell you how to draft when the ship and run it back. The stats ain't tell the story, this is the story of the stats. You can stick it to your friends, what's more glorious than that? We're victorious in rap, bringing wrath to our rivals. We're here to shun the stats, laugh, and lead you all the titles. Stick to the path and follow us disciples. The only sin is math, and all you need is the Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible is the fantasy. Bible. Greetings, faithful listeners, and welcome to the first episode of the Fantasy Bible. Uh, I'm here. My name's Nate Binder. I'm here with my co-host, Dane. Dane, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm just so excited to get this thing launched. It's going to be great. Absolutely. So, so, so here's the thing about the Fantasy Bible is... You know, Dan and I are mo- both longtime fantasy players. Um, I think we're entering like what are like sixth or seventh season of doing this, um, multiple leagues, multiple formats. And we're both junkies. We both absorb a lot of content. And uh, for me, the problem in the content has often been, you know, often either how player specific it is or, um, you know, how based it is just in like meaningless stats. Yeah, you get bogged down in those stats, man. It's like trying to wade through mud. Like sometimes, sometimes they're helpful, and it's important to know some stats. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, you get your overload, and you don't even know how to parse through them. We're not about that. We're here to digest that information for you, turn it around, and give you the hot takes, the gut feelings, the go-to players. We're here to give you real, hard, adrenaline-filled advice for fantasy football. Exactly. Like if you're getting into the point where you're trying to figure out, you know how some cornerback does over passes of 30 yards because you're trying to figure out, you know, if, if your deep threat is going to, is going to prosper in this matchup, you're going too deep. You know, this is, this thing is supposed to be fun. This thing is supposed to be based on your gut. It's not supposed to be based on, you know, thousands and thousands of spreadsheets. And, you know, we do have stats, of course we have stats because we need the stats, but if you're just relying on stats, then you're then you're going to be led astray because the stats are uh, you know I, I heard a great quote once stats are are, are like bathing suits have you, have you heard that what they <laughs> I've not heard that <laughs> okay what they what they uh, you know what they reveal you know it, they reveal a lot but what they conceal is even more important you know conceal the goods yeah yeah yeah. I so, so it's an illusion. Um, so we're going to open this up. Obviously, we have we have a Bible theme because um, you know, like the Bible, these are kind of like the core principles that we want you to follow, um, and they're kind of based on philosophy and strategy that that can carry you through year to year. Um, you know, we'll get into player specific talk as the season gets closer, but during the off season, we really want to kind of hone on to these, like, what are some sort of just like facets of your game that you want to stick to year to year that, that sort of are your own philosophy because coaches have a philosophy. So why shouldn't you? Um, so we're going to start with the 10 commandments of fantasy drafting. 
Um, these, these are, these are 10 commandments that I've drafted over the years of playing that I was always kind of like loosely following in my mind, but wanted to get on paper. Um, and the important thing to remember about these is they're all situational. Um, you know, if you play in uh, a three wide receiver league, some of these things aren't going to apply. If you play in standard versus PPR, it may rule your decision-making. It's going to depend on how the board falls, you know? But before we get into that stuff, of course, it's important to stay current. It's important to know what's happening in the world of fantasy football today, even six months away from the start of the season. So we're going to go to our friend Dane, whose new skills were honed in the harsh halls of elementary school when he did the daily news. He hasn't read the news since then, but it's always been in him to be a newsman. And uh, let's see what he has for us. Dane? So obviously we are just kicking off the show, so I might be going back a week or so, but I want to fill you in on the biggest off-season news as far as free agency goes in the NFL. So we're just going to get right into it. All right. We've got Kenny Galladay. Kenny G just got sacks of dough to play ball for the Giants, where he will end up a very talented wide receiver three for fantasy. And not looking forward to Daniel Jones throwing him the football personally, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. And Juju Smith-Schuster, another hot commodity in the wide receiver free agency world. He's back in Pittsburgh. Maybe he couldn't get paid enough to go elsewhere, but the fantasy minds want to know, will Ben's arm be back this year? That is the big question in Pittsburgh. If not, I'm not really excited about Juju, but we'll see. They got a good good wide receiver core there. Kenyon Drake to the Raiders. Oh, no. We're hearing reports that Josh Jacobs truthers are experiencing night terrors, cold sweats, and the overwhelming urge to draft Josh Jacobs way too high this year. Look out for that landmine. (laughs) And in New England, we've got Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Jason Bourne, all to the Pats. Wow. Word is Robert Kraft is on the injury report this week with a wrist injury after signing all those Belichicks, baby. Uh, but the real question in New England, can booty scootin' noodle-armed Cam Newton lead New England to another playoff run? As a Pats fan, I honestly doubt it. <laughs> Emmanuel Sanders in Buffalo? Who cares? Ryan Fitzpatrick, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Antonio Gibson all on the same team? Is this the best offense in the NFC least? Yeah, not if Dak no. Prescott has something to say about it. Let's see. <laughs> Dak Prescott, my man Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I mean, anything can happen in that division. It's a shit show. Anyways, is Arizona building the next super team? But does it matter? Will they even win their division? That's They're trying hard in free agency. They got J.J. Watt. They've got a hot new center. It's going to be interesting. Matthew Stafford, a winner, now on the Rams, a winning team. Jared Goff traded to the Lions, who is a loser, now on a losing team. The universe is one step closer to equilibrium here. I like that. I like that a lot. And that That's makes cool. sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good for Matt Stafford. You know, he gets, I, I, you know, I would place money on them doing the Super Bowl now. I, you know, I mean, why not? Um, it's a good and, it, and it's bad for Jared Goff and who cares about Jared Goff? So that, you know, you know, how, how many times have we been let down by Jared Goff? Oh, he's going to throw five touchdown passes in this like weak offensive or a weak defensive matchup, and then he goes in and he throws three interceptions, and you know it's Cam Akers and 
uh, I don't even remember who, who else is in the Malcolm Brown, um, Henderson. Not important anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, I am excited for Matthew Stafford. He deserves to be on a team that can contend in the playoffs, man. He's so good. So uh, your team, the Eagles, I'm outing you as a Philly homer. Joe Flacco, Super Bowl. I was MVP. wondering if you were going to mention Flacco in this at all because uh, Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco signs with the Eagles. He's a perfectly washed quarterback to occupy the Carson Wentz role in Philly. It's, great. Um, it's very fitting. Well, I mean, I you know who knows about Carson? The thing about Carson is, uh, yeah, I don't think like the thing about Carson is it's like he's like a broken robot. You know, like he has all the tools. But mentally, it's just not there. Like, you know, his his operating system has just gone out of out of whack. Who knows if he can get it done in uh, Indianapolis? I don't really even know if there are like. I mean, besides Jonathan Taylor, it's not like there are a lot of sexy fantasy prospects in Indianapolis anyway. So it's not like, you know, it's gonna going from Philip Rivers to Carson is gonna affect how you're drafting some of these guys. You're still gonna draft. T.Y. pretty late, you know, Michael Pittman, you're going to draft him pretty late. I don't think you're going to draft Zach Pascal. So, um, but yeah, fuck Carson Wentz. I will, I will say that. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. He's I selling mean, out on Carson Wentz. Here, here's the thing about Carson Wentz is he'll do fine maybe in Indianapolis um, if he gets some hard coaching. But, you know, to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, I want to see some mental toughness. And if you're going to bow out of Philadelphia because we – draft a second round backup and because you get benched after you know throwing like five of 13 for 67 yards in the green bay game um you know you got a certain point you have to self-assess and this is a fantasy podcast so we'll move on this is not an eagles podcast but uh yeah i wouldn't be here if it was an eagles podcast you got to make that clear so i wanted to end this new section i mean there are some intermediate signings and stuff that i have not mentioned but these are the the hallmarks but i did want to end this new section with my favorite rumor which is developing the past couple days gardner Minshew reportedly in talks with the 49ers is the mustache coming to the bay area to throw bombs and bang moms hide your milf san francisco <laughs> i like that a lot and what i like well you know what's interesting is i keep seeing like oh this is the perfect backup for uh san francisco and i'm like why is this guy the backup like, what have we seen from Jimmy G that, you know, maybe his arm's better. Um, but, I, you know, Gardner Minshew seems to be healthier. He seems to have a little better legs. Um, he seems to be able to run, you know, like a, a quick short out route offense that Kyle Shanahan likes to run. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, if they're signing him or, well, we don't know yet. We don't know if that's for, for yeah, real. It very well might not happen. He might stay the the backup in uh jacksonville but i just think it's pretty hype i like to i like Minshew as a an icon in the nfl i mean he's got a lot of fantasy hype surrounding him you know i mean yeah he was a i mean he was a starting quarterback for a lot of fantasy players two years ago not not this past year he, he didn't do great because they were you know clearly trying to tank but <laughs> yeah the year prior um you know you could you could throw him in and you can get 20 points guaranteed. No problem. Um, and in a Kyle Shanahan offense that those numbers are only going to go up even with the, you know, the run game that they usually employ there. So I'm excited to see what happens there. I still am like, uh, you know, I believe the conspiracy that 
Bill is going to trade for Jimmy G, but um, we'll, we'll Could see. Happen. Could happen. I mean, he did. That's the best we've ever seen him play is, is with the Pats and that, that four game arc or three games. I think he got hurt. I agree. I would, I would much rather us start Jimmy G over Cam Newton this season, but you know, we'll see how it pans out. I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. Now Cam Newton, um, I wouldn't, you know, if you're, if you're planning your draft now, you know, six, seven months out, six months out, five months out. Um, sorry, I'm looking at the calendar. <laughs> um, no, nope, we are not. We said no heavy stats and we meant it. Um, Cam Newton played fantastic before he he got COVID. Um, he did. He wasn't throwing a lot, which is the problem I think they'll run into down the stretch. If they make the playoffs, they cannot win, I think, with that system that he would support, even as a, you know, I can run 10 yards if the play doesn't develop. I don't think he's going to hit passes. He's going to have a 60% completion rate. Like, I don't think they can sustain that type of offense into a playoff run. Okay, so boo-hoo, the Pats losing the playoffs. Fantasy season's over by then. He, you know, okay, yeah, he will have relevant weeks for fantasy. If you need a streaming quarterback, yes, Cam Newton is, yeah, he's going to be in the conversation. You'll definitely hear us talk about him later as the season goes on in the, in this podcast for sure. Yeah, I would even hit him. If you're someone out there that, you know, likes to get cute um, and draft like a second defense for some reason, or, you know, like, you know, if or you're in a league with a really deep bench, I would definitely consider drafting Cam Newton as a QB too. Um, uh, or he's a great, you know, in, in dual QB leagues, he would be a great QB too, because, you know, there's going to be elite, like weeks where he gets like three rushing touchdowns, you know, and even if he has 150 pass yards. Oh yeah. He should absolutely be rostered in any super flex league or two QB leagues. hundred percent. He will. Absolutely. Okay. So a couple of things on the uh, receivers you mentioned, you went through a lot. I'm only going to touch on a few. Kenny G. Uh, I think you said it perfectly. I'm not high on Kenny G. Um, you know, I think we've seen some things from Daniel Jones, but like the most I feel like the most times I'm impressed with Daniel Jones is when I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't know he could run like that. Like, it's never, you know, oh, wow, look at that consistent passing effort or look at how he led that team down the field or anything like that. Um, and there are a lot of weapons on that offense. Now, Kenny G is a, um, I, I, you know, he's a good player. I was listening to uh, um, Q&A. It's a podcast with Jason Avant um, and Quentin Michael two former Eagle players, and they were talking about Kenny G um, because obviously the Giants are a uh, rival of the Eagles. And they were talking about he how he's kind of a, a volume catcher. So where he'll do great if he gets, you know, 100, 110 targets in a season. He'll catch most of those targets and he'll get you the yards. But he's not a guy that, you know, he's not an Odell. Well, Odell's a little. He's not a Tyreek that'll, that'll catch a slant and take it to the house. Like he's not really a dynamic athlete. In that sense, you know, he's just a reliable X receiver. Um, yeah, he's one of the best contested catchers, but he has the lowest, one of the lowest uh, separation percentages. Like he's not a route runner like Tyreek, like you're saying. Tyreek is going to burn people. He's going to have a yard ahead of the guy behind him and 20 yards in front of him. That'll never be Kenny Galladay. He needs accurate passing to succeed, but he will wrestle 50-50 balls more times than not. Yeah, I just and maybe that's what you need for you know for Danny Jones. I think so. I think that will benefit Daniel Jones, but I don't think it will benefit Kenny Galladay's draft stock because Daniel Jones 
I mean, I'm throwing out a stat real quick. I hate to do it, but he threw 11 touchdowns and 16 interceptions last year. You realize 11 touchdowns in this league that we live in right now with passing dominance, that is terrifying to own a receiver on that offense. I, I drafted Kenny Galladay high last year. I will not be drafting him this year. He's going to be way too high for what I think you'll get. Now, the question is what happened to, uh, like, not that Daniel Jones had this massive regression, but I believe he had a better season the year prior. And, you know, whether it was a question of, like, you know, new coaching installation, I think, was last year for Joe Judge's first year? I believe it was. Yeah. Um, whether that's it or, you know, just losing some weapons, the offensive line not always performing at the snuff. Um, who knows? Um a big part of them signing Kenny G was to find out if, if Jones is the guy. So I guess we'll all kind of find out, but I remember, I mean, where was Kenny Galladay going last year? I feel like he was going at least in the second, right? Yeah. So I had the first pick last season and I drafted, of course, Christian McCaffrey. We all know that turned out not the point. So at the two and three turn, I drafted Allen Robinson and Kenny Galladay. So Galladay was going off the board around about wide receiver eight, two, three, nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe even seven in some, right around there he's he was a wide receiver one drafted last year and of course the injury plagued that season what a terrible experience that was owning him in multiple leagues i owned him (laughs) (laughs) um where would you take him this year if you were to take him obviously you might you know sometimes you avoid players that have been injured in the past but i would take him after i mean honestly i'd take him right around brandon Ayuk. maybe i think right around there maybe back end wide receiver two at best i don't think i'll see his name and be enticed when I'm drafting though. Yeah. He's a guy. If, if it's like late, if I have the first pick and it's, uh, I don't know, or rather if it's late round four or early round five, you know, I could see it as like the second receiver you take. Um, yeah. I would like to draft him mid to late four. I don't think I'll make it there just because somebody will be hyped on him. The name. So not, yeah. Yeah. I probably won't be drafting any Kenny Galladay. Um, Next guy you mentioned is Juju. Yeah. Uh, what's going on in Pittsburgh, man? Like, I think we kind of know they have no run game, and so they're left to resort to Ben Roethlisberger, who you know, age is a thing. He, you know, he's a probably a chain smoker, beer drinker. Like, he does not take care of his body the same way somebody aging like Tom Brady does. So he no pliability. Exactly. He's fallen off hard. You know, he's always been durable. He's always, he's a stud. I mean, he was a great quarterback for a long time. He just doesn't have it anymore. And I think for that reason, I'm wary about drafting one of the three very good wide receivers on his offense. I mean, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson. I like those guys as talents. It's scary to draft them, I think, and not know who's going to win that week or if Ben Roethlisberger will have a bad week and throw 40 pass attempts and complete 19. Like there's going to be a week like that. Well, yeah. And, you know, so much of their offense last year was, uh, you know, predicated on getting the ball out quick. I think Ben had like the least time to throw in the league, not yeah. least time in terms of like pass rush, but like just least time release from time. snap to three. Yeah. Release time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe he can keep that up another year older. But the other thing is like, you think like Juju had not a great season, last year i'm sure he was overdrafted um even though you know people drafted him not that high but he i think he performed even worse than where he went and you would think in in an offense that gets the ball quickly a guy that plays in the slot like that would be 
a little more, uh, you know, valuable, but yeah, I think he, that, oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, he had some, I, th- I feel like we're kind of tainted by the beginning of the season last year. He did start off very slow, and then I think he picked it up toward the second half of the season. But at that point, you're kind of soured on him already. So I do agree with what you're saying. He just didn't didn't pan out like his rookie year would lead you to believe he could. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's not a true one, um, but he hasn't even really been a, a true two. He's been like an alternating two with Claypool and, you know, Johnson sometimes. Um, so what I do like about Juju is I feel like his stock, his public, the per, you know, the perception of Juju has plummeted. Um, and, you know, if, if you're in a league with old people that hate, you know, when players like have fun, they probably hate Juju. They hate all that TikTok shit. Um, I, I'm not even a fan, really. Like the dancing before the games and all that stuff is a little silly if you're not going to, you know, perform. Um, so, you know, don't be afraid to take him if he if he just plummets because, you know, like they signed him to what, like an $8 million deal? I mean, that's not yeah. jump change. Like they kept them around. Yeah, supposedly the Chiefs offered him more and he decided to stay in Pittsburgh another year. because Which is wild. Yeah, I if I were him, man, I mean, love for the city you were drafted in and all, but I mean, money is money. And if it's a one-year deal, I'm sure the Chiefs would have went for that and he could still test free agency next year when the cap goes up, so. Yeah, it's wild that I, I, I don't know all the free agents, but we've seen like a lot of free agents turn down uh, Kansas City this offseason, which is inexplicable to me, like a chance to play with conceivably one of the greatest quarterbacks ever um, and one of the greatest confirmed greatest coaches ever is, is yeah, a little yeah. while. Um, Andy Reid, who doesn't love it at all? Andy Reid. Um, okay. So let's, uh, that was a great news, news uh, section. Let's move on to the 10 commandments of fantasy football drafting. Now we're going to do the first five on this podcast because we want to keep it short. We want to respect your time. Um, and then we'll do the next five, you know, in a week or so when we follow up. Um, and as I said, you know, before in the intro, these are commandments, but like any commandments, they're situational. Um, you know, thou shall not steal. I think that's a commandment. You know, uh, um, if you need to steal bread to feed your family, you're going to steal bread. Um, thou shall not covet thy neighbor's wife. Um you know, if your neighbor's an asshole and, uh, you know, his wife is banging. (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyway, that's the point, you know, these are strict guidelines, but that's how they should be taken. Everything is situational and, and we'll get into that more, but we'll start with the first one. Thou shalt draft an RB, a running back, I should say in round one. You know, that's that's commandment number one. And uh, for some of you, that's probably obvious. For some of you, you're thinking, you know, why, you know, there's great round receiver, wide receivers in round one. And I, and I thought about this a lot because, you know, I, I play one of our leagues, one of our primary leagues is a, a three wide receiver league. And I drafted Tyreek Hill um, in the first round last year. Um, I picked like eight or nine. I picked nine overall, I think. So it's like, it's not like, you know, there weren't any prime running backs, uh, you know, any top five running backs available. Derrick Henry was gone, all that kind of stuff. Um, 
And I didn't make it to the playoffs for the first time in a couple of years. And I truly believe that's because like, sure, I had great wide receiver production, but without running back production, you're not going to get there. Um, You know, just a couple comments to back this up. Last year, um, there were three running backs that scored higher than the highest scoring wide receiver. Um, You know, and then, and then there's Adams and Hill, you know, who, who score high up there. And then there's like a 40 to 50 point gap before you get to Diggs, Ridley, and Metcalf. And in that gap, there's like six, six running backs before you get to the third highest scoring wide receiver. Now, I believe this is in uh, half. You know, if, I'm sure if you look at full, it's very different. Um, disclaimer for this podcast, most of the stats we will be mentioning are half PPR stats, but that's kind of a good middle ground. So if you play in PPR or standard, just kind of very slightly tweak what we're saying, but go ahead. Yeah. So, um, so, so yeah, so, so there's nine running backs you got that are scoring more than the third highest wide receiver. And, you know, I didn't look back to see if this is a trend, you know, statistically that happens every year. But I can tell you that it definitely feels like it does. And more importantly, it's it's not so much about like, okay, like like look at Dane, for example, who 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 drafted Christian McCaffrey first overall. You know, so you follow you follow that. Um, but Christian McCaffrey gets injured. So it's not it's not just about taking a running back first. It's about like maximizing your chances to take a high value running back. Um, and that is, so I don't know. I just believe generally that, and that wide receiver value can be found in later rounds. Um, and that streaming wide receivers is so much easier and that, you know, when you draft, um, let's see, what are there? 32 teams in the NFL, you know, there's one starting running back for all of those teams. There's usually two receivers for each of those teams that have something going on. So it's not like there's not great wide receiver value in the first round. And if you're picking at the tail end and you want to take Adams or um, Hill, or I wouldn't take Diggs in the first round, but I'm sure he'll be going in the first round. I'm sure Ridley will be going at the tail end of the first round. Metcalf might even be going in the first round. If you want to take those guys, sure. Just realize that, you know, you're going to be losing out on a chance for stable week-to-week carries and production, um, which is the true value of the running back position. Um, If you've been lucky enough to not have to chase running back in a season, then you don't know this, and that's why we're telling you. But the first time you do, you will come around because it is – very difficult, very unfulfilling, man. There are not many bench players like on the on the waiver wire that you can substitute into your starting lineup and feel good about. You just got to get lucky that you have waiver priority that week and somebody's breaking out. Exactly. Like if, if the timing's not right, like any given week, someone like Taylor Gabriel is going to be on the, the waiver wire. Someone like uh, Scotty Miller. And you can say, oh, maybe this guy catches deep ball. Um, you can look at the coverages. You can you you can do a little go a little deeper and say this guy is going to be targeted because of the de- defensive matchup, and you can find that wide receiver. But you're not going to find that running back. Like the, the best you can hope is like find someone that's going to vulture a goal line carry, um, and and that's your only hope. 
Um, so yeah, draft high value running backs when they're available, even if you have to take, you know, Nick Chubb, who I, I mean, I love Nick Chubb, but if you have to take Nick Chubb in the first round over, you know, Devonta Adams, I think I would, you know, with what I've learned at this yeah, point. I don't know about you, but I've been mock drafting already. And every time I had both of those guys on the board, I take Nick Chubb because like I said, I was chasing running back last season because Christian McCaffrey was injured the whole season. It, I would just so much rather have somebody who's going to get 15 to 20 carries and as talented because it is hard to find that in fantasy. Everyone's going to be scooping up these running backs early and you don't want the running back 25 as your RB one or two. That's not how you want to play this. Oh, absolutely. And, and like, you know, so many times it's like, all right, I, 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 I need to field, you know, you're fielding max three wide receivers, but it's like, oh, I have to find two running backs. You know, it's like, so, there's so much more desperation in that sense. Um, three wide receivers. I mean, if, uh, if that's what you're running in your flex spot, of course. Um, so, so yeah, so I, so I drafted these up. So Dan, you're saying you, you would agree with this first commandment that you want to target running back in the first round as much as possible. Oh yeah. It's a resounding yes for me, unless I'm picking at the 12 and Devonte Adams is there, then I'll take him. But other than that, I'd wait till the second round for myself to draft a wide receiver. I just want that security at the RB position. It's quite elusive and to have an elusive back, you know, is great. Great. <laughs> The, the position eluding you in fantasy. Yes. Yes. And, um, well, you know, well, never mind. But anyway, all <laughs> right. So moving on to the next, uh, the next uh, commandment. And, uh, you know, if, if you're a fan of Fight Club, you'll appreciate the structure of these commandments. Thou shalt probably draft an RB in round two. Um, that's why we are doubling down on running back. And, and, and it's basically for the reason that I stated before, um, you know, Dan lucked out, uh, in the James Robinson sweepstakes, uh, last, last season, but had you not, you would be a last place team because of the Christian McCaffrey injury. And so that's, you know, it's an injury ridden, uh, position, um, there's far more wide receiver depth usually than running back depth. Handcuffs are always suspect. You never know if the handcuff is going to produce in the same way. You need a stud, stud running back. Um, and like, here's the thing, like, oh, oh, what happens? Like both your stud running backs stay healthy. Well, then like, you know, you're golden. You're not only you have, oh, you need a wide receiver. Well, come week seven when like, you know, half the running backs in the league have died you're going to have like the, the most trade value you could ask for because you went RBRB. Uh, Dan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I do very much agree with this one. Um, I would rather shore up the position in the first two rounds than worry about it coming back to me. The only caveat I can say here is maybe you're at the back of the first round in a snake draft and, you know, somebody did fall that you really like, like you're at a, 11 spot and you have Devonte Adams or Tyreek Hill there and you're pretty high on them. You know that there could only be two running backs going off the board when it comes back to you. So if you like three of them, you know, I'd say maybe take that value at, at wide receiver and then come back with a running back you're okay with. But I can't even say that I would do that myself. I really do. I mean, if 
okay, if Devontae Adams is there at 11 or 12, I'm taking him. But Agreed. it would be it would be a decision. I'd have to think about it. I wouldn't be 100% sure in that moment. I would much rather have two running backs in the first two rounds because otherwise, if I mean, you might have Tyreek Hill, but then you're going to be starting hot garbage like Devin Singletary and look like a stooge all season. It's going to get so bad. You're going to be desperate at your own friend's wedding and you're going to have to proposition him at the dinner to trade you chase Edmonds. Half <laughs> who who did that? Chase, That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> uh, you man. <laughs> no, no, so. no sane good friend or whatever the essential thing. <laughs> um, well, and to your point there, you're at the turn you take Adams you take, I don't know, which running back's available at the turn? Chubb? Let's say Chubb again. Chubb might it, be there. Um, at the turn. Then you're Austin waiting. Eckler would be there. Aaron Jones might be there. Yeah, those guys. Okay, so you get those guys. Then who's the next running back you're taking, right? It kind of falls off really hard. It, yeah. Eckler and Aaron Jones. Whereas you go running back, running back, you got a shot of landing like Kenny Dolliday and Mike Evans or something like that. You know, Chris Godwin, who had a down year last year, who might slip a little bit. Um, you know, your, your chances of just like landing two wide receivers that can at least get you 10, 12 points a week is so much higher in the third and fourth round. Um, so yeah. Um, are you ready to move on? Yeah, we can move on to three. I think we covered that. Sweet. So three is a little more complicated. Um, three is, uh, thou shalt value. Quarterback play and scheme over historic production when drafting receivers. Uh, and this one's a little tougher to talk about because I'm not like a, you know, I'm not a football savant. I'm not really like a scheme guy and X's and O's. I don't, you know, understand it on an instinctive level. I've never played the sport, but I do, you know, find people that I trust. I do see things when I watch players. And most of all, I think I can tell when a, a quarterback is, is, is garbage. Um, and you know, so like every season, these guys move around and to me, the guy throwing the ball is way more important than the guy catching it. Um, you know, sometimes that's not true with the major receivers, you know, Hopkins is going to catch, you know, you could put like a, you know, a Jag machine or, or something or whatever the drug machine out there, um, a broken one and, and you'd be catching those balls. But if you, you get to like the middle round guys, um, which are going to make or break your team really because depth makes or breaks fantasy football teams. And that, that's where, that's where the money moves are. Um, like, you know, we've, we've, we've hit Kenny Galladay to death. Um, but I think he's a great example of a guy that's moved. That's not going to produce Daniel Jones like he did with Matt Stafford. It's just not going to happen. Um, so you're not, you shouldn't draft him at the same spot. You should still draft him. You know, he's still a proven, you know, high pedigree NFL wide receiver. Um, but you know, and hopefully he's not like the wide receiver three and people go back and listen to this, but, um, you know, I, I really don't, you know, that, that, you know, here's another example last year, um, not to like, this isn't really tooting my own horn because this isn't like, like a super dynamic pick or anything like that but a player that i targeted in every draft was brandon cooks and a lot of people are like oh brandon cooks always injured brandon cooks washed up but to me i'm like you know deshaun watson you know we won't speak on deshaun watson much but um you know in a a time a year ago before we knew the things that we allegedly know now 
um, you know, he could sling that ball. And so I, I knew that, you know, and Brandon Cooks didn't, you know, start have like a, a super season, but he was the wide receiver 15 on the, on the year last year. And he was getting drafted in like the seventh and eighth round, you know, so that, that's great value for a guy like that. Um, you know, uh, Diggs, that's a guy that I misread entirely. That That's a guy, Josh Allen, I'm like, Josh Allen, who knows if Josh Allen can really throw? He's, he showed some things, but who knows? Josh Allen can throw. I was an idiot. Um, so that's an example of like, if, if you know more about football and you can really identify these things, look look to who's throwing the ball. Um, Hopkins, I wasn't concerned. Uh, I you know I knew that there were some air raid principles in that offense. I knew that Kyler Murray is an accurate emerging player, um, and he finishes the wide receiver five. I targeted him at a lot of a lot of leagues. And I'm happy about that. So let's talk about some guys that are moving around this year. Um, these are all top 16 guys from last year. Or no, excuse me. That's incorrect. The top 16 wide receivers from last year, Dane, they're all on the same team this year. That's pretty badass. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that you know, gives you a lot of confidence in making your moves, I feel like. Um, but so here's some guys that are uh, below that. So Marvin Jones, he's on the Jags now. Uh, Trevor Lawrence will be thrown to him. He was the wide receiver 17 last year. You higher or lower than that finish? What do you think? He's at 17. I I can't say I'd draft him there. I could he might finish there, but I I'd be more willing to draft him as a back end wide receiver too. I, I I probably actually wouldn't draft him except for wide receiver three. Like I don't want him to be my first or second receiver. He's a great bench piece, a great flex piece, but at the same time, I, I don't know for sure that they're going to have a phenomenal offense, and you've still got DJ Chark there. LaVisca Chanel shows promise, and they've still got James Robinson. Like There are there are enough weapons where I can't guarantee that Marvin Jones is going to return a wide receiver 17 value, and I think also baked into that finish last year was Kenny Galladay. Kenny being out for, I think he was out for 10 games or 9 games, so at the end of the day, Matthew Stafford had to throw the ball to somebody, and it's Marvin Jones 15 yards down the field that he's going to throw it to him. So I think we have to kind of be cautious there. I don't think many people are going to overdraft him, but he is usually a value in the draft. So I think despite finishing 17, he'll probably be drafted around 25, 26, and I'm okay with taking him there. There's probably a guy on the board I like better, though. Oh, absolutely. I do. I do think, you know, when he was on the Lions, anyone that drafted Marvin Jones was grateful that they did because they got him in like yes. the ninth or 10th round. And then, you know, 10 games in the season when their roster was injured to hell, they had someone that they could start and it was a good shot to get you at least some points mm-hmm. there. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I don't think he's gonna, you know, I think he's more of like a, a reliable veteran receiver for Trevor Lawrence that knows the game. But I don't think, you know, he's kind of like Larry Fitz to uh, Kyler. He's not going to put, you know, fantasy relevant numbers up that much. Um, and, you know, a lot of these guys, we're getting into the dregs here because, like I said, top 16 guys are on the same team. Um, Curtis Samuel, he was the wide receiver 25 last year. Uh, so, you know, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, borderline, depending on your league size. Um He's on the football team now, catching patches, passes from assumingly Ryan Fitzpatrick, unless the football team finds a way up to go up and get a guy, which I don't think they will. Yeah, I think we can assume it's Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing the ball. Yeah, I, 
I do like Curtis Samuel. I, I don't think he'll be drafted too high. And for that reason, I might be looking at him in drafts because, I mean, Terry McLaurin, he's amazing. He's a high talent. He's oh, going to be a wide Terry. receiver one, but it could be a 1A, 1B situation. And we know Ryan Fitzpatrick is not afraid to throw the ball, which is great for fantasy. I think he is going to be somewhat of a value. He's not going to fall super far. But if I could get Curtis Samuel as my wide receiver three, I'm happy. Do we know who Curtis Samuel or who the, uh, excuse me, the offensive coordinator is in Washington? I honestly don't know that off the top of my head. Yeah, because obviously Rivera is the coach, so they've got an defensive head coach. I'm just interested to see, you know, how uh, Samuel might be used because he's a fast guy. I know some some writers that are really low on him. He had he was like a very inefficient wide receiver um, last year. If you look at his conversion rate, but. so it's Scott Turner. He was there last year. He, um, I mean, you had a guy North Turner's son. Yeah. So, yeah, you had a guy like Antonio Gibson on the roster who's clearly a running and receiving threat, and I don't think they fully capitalized his receiving threat. So you can make the case that they might not capitalize on Curtis Samuel's rushing ability as a receiver. So I don't think it's a given that he's going to have as productive of a rushing workload, which I think kind of set him apart and helped him get to that 25 spot. Or Absolutely. Like, 25, yeah, you're correct. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's a guarantee, but I do think his production will go up having Fitzpatrick as a quarterback. So he very well could hit that again. I think it would be a little bit more through the air. I think he had something like 400 rushing yards last season or maybe 300, but I don't think he'll hit that. So he might not be as stable of a wide receiver option, but I think he will have great weeks. I He could have a two touchdown week and win you a week. So I'm willing to have that guy as my wide receiver three, throw him in a flex. I'm happy with that. Oh yeah. Fast guy, you know, I always put a fast guy on my, uh, on my squad. And, you know, to your point though, whenever teams get two of these guys that are like the rushing receiving threats, it's like, you know, they never use both of them. So, you know, I'm sure we'll see Gibson taking those snaps. Um, And then don't they have a, like McKissick is McKissick still on the team? Yeah. JD McKissick is still there, which, he was a good, yeah. I mean, when Alex Smith was playing. Yeah, yeah, he was serviceable because he got all those dump-offs, like you said, from Alex Smith. I mean, Alex Smith, God bless his soul, got <laughs> saddled up like a true champion, but he was not throwing the ball downfield. He had, I think, the lowest target depth of any quarterback while he was starting. So I think it's a little inflated for J.D. McKissick, but at the same time, J.D. McKissick is still on the roster, still under the same offensive coordinator, head coach i do think he's still gonna cut into antonio gibson's workload and i don't think we'll see as many gadget plays if you can call them that like end arounds from curtis samuel as we did last year so i can't say that i'm guaranteeing he'll finish in the same spot but i'm willing to bet on him because he could finish a little higher than that i like that i like betting on curtis samuel um okay we'll move through these a little faster will filler uh, you know, I, I avoided Will Fuller like the plague when he was with a good quarterback. So I will not be drafting him with, uh, you know, not that two is bad, but we haven't really seen anything. I will also not be drafting Pill Fuller. I think you misquoted. Uh, <laughs> yes, excuse um, me. He's missing you know, the first game. You're only getting, you know, you're not getting the full season. 15 weeks out of him. Yeah, but yeah. I'm not going to draft a guy who is going to have hype. He's going to be drafted higher than I want to anyway. And, and he'll have like one 30-point game. 
Yeah. I, oh, he's yeah. He's a phenomenal talent. Very fast. He's going to have separation down the field, and he's going to catch maybe a fifty-yard touchdown win you that week at the position. But I'm not willing to bet on him. I'm not willing to draft him where he's going to be because he's not starting week one. So for me, when I draft, I want players who are starting week one who can win me that first week. Yeah. And if, yeah. You want to go in with momentum, even though that's an illusion. Yeah. You want to feel good about your team. Yeah, I think momentum in fantasy is surely an illusion, but you definitely want to start 1-0. And I'm not willing to draft somebody at, he's probably, what, the fifth, sixth round or something. I'm not willing to draft somebody there who's not going to play the first week. And if he plays the second week and has a down week, he is, his stock is not going to be anything worth trading, especially if Tua doesn't show that he's capable of making that next level jump to the NFL. I am not sold on Will Fuller. Well, and the big thing with, you know, Tua is like he's an ac- – he's like, you know, not to say he's Drew Brees, but he, he seems to be like an accurate short, medium throw guy with like not great arm strength. And Will Fuller's whole thing is, you know, streaking, you know, however many yards down the field and catching those deep balls. So right. um, it's not it, a great fit. Yeah, I think it helps uh, Tua a lot more than it helps Will Fuller. Tua is going to have – a target like Will Fuller, Will Fuller will create separation in the second level. And that's what Tua was used to in Alabama. He had stud wide receivers who were always wide open and he was capable of throwing those passes. But I think what we've seen so far from Tua in the NFL, he's a little sheepish. To throw he is a, he's a skittish guy, things. yeah. He, he's not going to – I mean, he did have a – I don't know what week it was, maybe week nine or something, but he had a phenomenal contested red zone catch touchdown to Devontae Parker. And if he could do more of that and trust his receivers, he will be great in the NFL. I, I'm just waiting to see it before I draft somebody that high. Yeah, a lot of pressure on that guy and weird season too with the you know the Fitz stuff. So we'll of see. Course, yeah, but yeah we'll give him a pass for now. Yeah, not making any bets on him though. Okay, uh, Nelson Aguilar, pass, hard pass. Oh, hard we can, pass. We can probably move on. Um, Corey Davis. Uh, I like Corey Davis, and if the Jets Zach, uh, draft Zach Wilson, who I am, uh, you know, fairly high on based on what people tell me to be high on, um, you know, I think I, I, I feel good about Corey Davis as like a late round value pick. The people are going to be like, "Oh, the Jets, the Jets." But let me tell you, like, like their new head coach, <laughs> he, you know, he's an excited like, I, like if I was a Jets fan, I would be excited right now. And I, I don't see like a wide receiver better than Corey Davis at this stage of their career on that on that team. Not that Corey Davis is an all-star, but we waited for him to break out and he he did. So yeah, I do like his talent. I so even if the Jets do draft someone like Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, I don't think they will assure the public that they will be starting week one. So I think you're going to have to wait a few weeks before a quarterback coming in from the draft is going okay, to Okay, Zach Wilson. I want to be clear, though. Zach Wilson is who I'm talking about. If they draft Justin Fields, I'm okay. not as high on Corey Davis. Okay, Zach Wilson is an NFL-ready quarterback, in my opinion. I agree. Yeah, so I'll contend to your point. So if they, drag, if they draft Zach Wilson and they assure the public that he is their starter of the future, and maybe they trade Sam Darnold by then, if he's their starter, then I will be much higher on Corey Davis than I am now. But I'm not drafting him if Sam Darnold is the quarterback. I'm not trying to wait oh, yeah. an abysmal train of when is he going to get benched or maybe he'll have a three-touchdown game. Like I, I'm not on board with that. I draft him as a wide receiver four or five at that point. 
Yeah, no. In, in this situation, uh, Sam Darnold is traded for a throwing out on pick for a team that didn't get the backup they wanted on draft day or something like that. Um, so, okay. Uh, last guy on my list here. Uh, I like this player. Um, weird spot for him. Emmanuel Sanders. Um, didn't have a, like a fantastic year last year, but there were spot starts that you could use him in. Um, you know, he is old. Um, I don't know what he's really doing in Buffalo. I feel like, you know, at this point in his career, Cole Beasley is kind of playing the role that he would play, but uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think if anything, he's only going to hurt Cole Beasley's stock and not really help his own. I don't think he, this is a great landing spot for him. I don't think he's going to be somebody you want to start. I remember last year, Darren Waller and, uh, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards were all injured in a week. And I started Emmanuel Sanders as the only receiver available and it did not go well. I was not, happy. <laughs> I think he scored 2.4 points in, in half PPR. I was pissed. I immediately dropped him. I rage dropped him. That is not something we advise you to do, but if I can't play you when the three receivers on that offense above you are out and you do not catch more than one pass, I'm out. So yeah, I don't, Sure, Josh Allen is a better quarterback than Derek Carr, but I am not drafting Emmanuel Sanders as a personal bias. I, you know, I'm not going to curse or thought about it. I do not like that guy. (laughs) Hold up for real quick, real quick. When was Emmanuel Sanders on the Raiders? Oh my God, sorry. I, I totally misspoke there. So the Raiders also had a lot of injuries, but I meant to say the Saints. So I was, Thomas, but yeah, Michael Thomas, Traquan, Jared Cook, and Traquan Smith were yes. all out. Yeah, I remember that week. Okay, I was like half on you because I remember there. the situation, yeah. but then I was like, these are not the right players. Um, okay, <laughs> but you know, same, same. You know, everything Dane said is true, and you know, don't draft Emmanuel Sanders. Um, he's just another guy that moved around that you maybe had to start last year. All right, so that's our first three commandments. We're going to take a quick break, and then we will return with the final two. I hope you're enjoying the show. Greetings, potential podcast advertiser. If you're looking to connect with a mostly male demographic ranging from ages 18 to 45, look no further than the Fantasy Bible Podcast. Let our sonorous tones take your product to the next level. If you're interested in getting in on the ground floor of the future of fantasy podcasting, contact us at fantasybiblepod at gmail.com. You will not regret it. And we're back. Thank you for listening. Hope you're enjoying the Fantasy Bible. We've covered our first three commandments, and now we are getting into the fourth. And while this is the fourth commandment, I will say, it might be the one I feel strongest about because I, this is something I see every year. Um, something that I always get worked up about, needlessly worked up about, because that's what fantasy football is for. Um, thou shalt not draft the tight end three or lower earlier than round eight. Um, we're getting a little less poetic with these commandments as we move down the list, but <laughs> it is still very important okay so to me the tight end is the most overvalued position in fantasy 
Um, when I see trades for tight ends, it makes me want to vomit. I, I see it every year. I see some, like Robert Tunyon get traded for like a wide receiver too. It makes me want to fucking go nuts. It, it, there's desperation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? Like it's it's not worth it. Like if you're gonna trade for a tight end, just accept the L on your season, unless it's you know. Well, we'll get into it. But so there are two tight ends worth drafting in the in the top three rounds. One is Travis Kelsey. The other is Kyle Pitts. Uh, um, no, you know, I'm joking. Are you? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Run that back. So, <laughs> so one is, one is Travis Kelsey, obviously the other is who knows, um, you know, who knows who the other one is. I would say George like, Kittle. well, no, no, but yeah. Okay. Maybe it is George Kittle, right? hundred percent George Kittle. Yeah. Maybe it is George Kittle. Okay. But like George Kettle was hurt last year. Yeah. So People like they're gonna forget though. What? People, People aren't gonna forget. Well, no, here's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, there are there are fantasy players out there that draft a player and he gets hurt, and then they don't draft that player again because they've been scorned by that player. And um freaking uh, you know, Darren Waller, you know, he may not be George Kittle, but he's almost George Kittle. Um, so like, it, it, you know, there, there's a situation where maybe you think Waller's that guy, um, or, you know, maybe regardless, yeah. Okay. Let's just say it's Kelsey and Kittle because the general consensus would say it's Kelsey and Kittle. Yeah. And I would agree with that. Um, like, okay. So the drop off from Kelsey to Waller was 35 points, which is a lot of, you know, that's a lot of points over the season, especially if you, like the, the drop off from like you know, wide receivers, even the biggest drop-off is going to be like, what, like 10, 15 points. It's never going to be that, like a 35-point gap. Um, and then you go from Baller to Tunyon, and it's 75 points. Tunyon was the the, the tight end at TE3. It, it's like a massive drop-off. And then you can go back for years and see it's like Kelsey and then a massive drop-off and then an even bigger drop-off from two to three. And I think the only year where it's like, there's three tight ends that are in the same spot is 2019 when Ertz had that insane year and Kittle had an insane year. But other than that, it's like, you got Tunyon and Hawkinson. Don't give up a fourth or a fifth round pick for freaking Tunyon or Hawkinson. Don't even give up a seventh round pick for those guys. Cause you don't give that up. Like those guys are averaging eight or nine points a game. And then you go down to the guys that are like way below them and they're averaging like seven or eight points a game. Um, and, and that's like, assuming that you take is where they land, like, like Andrews, you know, was probably taken as the fourth guy. And he was like, what, like the eighth guy. And it's like the tight, tight end eight, you know, it sounds good. It sounds like you're getting a top 10 player. That guy's getting you no points. That guy is like, he might as well be a kicker, you know? And, and, and like, yeah. I don't know. I, I I hate tight end. Just take a flyer on a late round guy that you can think get can get you some points. Take Kyle Pitts. Take freaking Dallas Goddard. Take Mike Gusecki again. Who knows? Um, I don't know. Who, who are some late round guys that you don't take Hunter Henry? Jesus Christ. Um, um, I, yeah. Unfortunately, being a Pats fan, I'm not excited to draft Johnny or Hunter Henry. If it was one of them on the team, I would be much more inclined. But I also, you mentioned Dallas Goddard. I think that might be a little Philly homer in you. I don't think it's guaranteed his production 
the way we saw it at the beginning of last year. With You're, wrong. Okay. You're wrong. Make your um, case, sir. Uh, I just think Dallas Goddard is a top five tight end. I mean, like ability-wise, I think that's his ceiling. I think that we had um, – not only did we have an incredibly predictable week-to-week offense with Doug Peterson, um, we had an offense that didn't know how to maximize the best out of its players. Now, I don't know what Nick Sirianni is going to run, but I do know that he's talked multi- like multiple times about he bases his offense on his players. He doesn't. He's not a guy who comes in with a scheme and forces his players to run that scheme. And you can even look like they went from Luck to Brissett to uh, Rivers and ran different offenses in each year. Um, now it's not like the offense that they were, offense they ran with Brissett was world breaking, but it did play to his strengths. Um, okay. You know, he, so I don't know. I just think that you know. Like you watch Dallas Goddard play, it looks like you're watching Travis Kelsey play. Now he his hands aren't as good as Travis Kelsey. Um, he needs to like he's got like some concentration drops and, and issues like that. But the dude is just a beast, and I I think um, if they don't draft Pitts or if they do draft Pitts and they put him in like a uh, you know like an Alshon Jeffrey spot instead of like the tight end spot, um. I think that Dallas Goddard's going to be a top five t- tight end. Um, okay, I I contend with that because I was looking at, I mean, current ADP is kind of bullshit right now because we're in off season. There are a lot of moves to be made, but currently he's ADP seven. I would draft him at five above Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson, right behind Mark Andrews, because I do think he is going to have a fair shot at targets. I mean. I don't know who's much better of a pass catcher on the Philly offense right now. He he's, you know, he's a good football player. So There's I'm no one to draft him. Yeah. I'm willing to draft him as a tight end. I don't know how far he'll fall. Maybe seventh, eighth round at best. I don't, I don't think he'll fall much farther than that compared to Darren Waller. Who's going to go on probably the beginning of the third, maybe sooner if your league is running tight ends, but probably Beginning of the third, by the end of the third, Darren Waller will go. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to take a tight end that early. So I I totally feel you. I love Darren Waller. He's a phenomenal talent. He's the wide receiver one for Derek Carr. Like, he's exceptional pass catcher. I mean, yeah, he broke out and hasn't had this great historic career. But, I mean, just use the eye test. You can see this guy is a monster. He's dominating uh, his route. So, it is hard to draft a tight end early, and I do not like it. Although, Travis Kelsey was one of the most heavily owned players for fantasy managers who made the finals last year. So. No, no, no. That's my point. Tra- tra- yeah. Travis Kelsey in the first round. Like, do it. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't give a shit. Like, I, th- I think that's yeah. – fuck it. I mean, not only are – because here's the thing about tight end is, like, if you're getting the best tight end, then you're getting a massive advantage over everyone else because because of that gap. So if you're getting a top two tight end, then it becomes the most almost the most important position because no one else is getting the production of that position. But like to me, the death trap, and that's the whole point of this commandment, is like I look at the guys from last year, TJ Hawkinson, Mike Jacecki, that's the sixth tight end, Logan Thomas, Gronkowski, Johnny Smith, Jimmy Graham. That rounds out your top 10 tight ends. Um, so it's like, 
I don't see like don't draft any of those guys before. And like, here's my whole point here is I'm not saying like our listeners are idiots and they're like, Oh, I value those guys as like, you know, round six or round seven guys. I'm saying when you get down to your draft and you've drafted the running backs you've won and you've drafted the wide receivers you've won and you've made, managed to draft a, a QB at a position you want and you start thinking like, oh, I need to fill out my roster. Just don't fall into that trap. You know, just take more wide receivers and running backs before you, you know, jump on a tight end in like round seven or six. That that That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I do think you're right. I think it's important that we do make that distinction very clear with this commandment. We're not saying don't draft don't draft Travis Kelsey because he's a stud. He's going to finish as a one or two tight end. We're saying don't draft the middle round tight ends because, you know, you could pick Robert Tunyon or in the same round, you could pick Debo Samuel, Brandon Cooks, Jarvis Landry, Robbie Anderson. Uh, you know, there are quality receivers who can fill out your roster. And the difference between Robert Tunyon and all the way down to maybe Evan Ingram is not much. It's all touchdown variants for tight ends. That's really what it is. They're going to have bomb weeks. They're going to catch a touchdown. And really all it takes for a tight end is to catch a touchdown and they'll be a top five tight end that week. Like that's all it takes. So Exactly. Yeah. You know what I would have done for Jarvis Landry at some points last season, a player that is not even like a, just to have like a, a wide receiver because the three wide receiver shit was just killing me. And just to have like, if I was thinking of what we were paying for him. I don't know. I, I'm just with you all the way. Um, all right. So moving on. Here's our final commandment for the evening, for the afternoon, for the morning, whenever you consume this. Thou shalt not draft any quarterback at all earlier than round seven. <gasps> but, but Nathan... <laughs> What about Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and Kyler Murray? Anyone that you draft is going to tear their ACL. Oh, I mean, all right. Here, here's the thing. These fuckers, they never repeat. They never repeat. And the difference in scoring is minimal. Okay, so there's 32 teams in the NFL, right? And the only, like, position that's going to get, like, all this – all the offensive snaps is the quarterback. So you have 32 choices. Like, no, no, you don't have 32 choices. Let's say, okay, worst case scenario, you're in like a QB greedy league where, I don't know, 12, there's 12 people, they all draft quarterbacks and they all draft backup quarterbacks. You've still got like 12 players to pick from. Like, you know, unless there's some bye week situations, the point is there's a crop of players where there's going to be matchups where you can stream if you need to, but there's like always a quarterback. I feel like that if you make the right decision that can get you 15 points, which to me is like, you want more, but 15 points is like, all right, that, that they didn't shit the bed. Um, and then like, obviously there's rushing guys, but it, it's like never the same rushing guy. Like, like Lamar wasn't what he was last year, you know? Um, Cam had one year, you know, Lamar has one year where he was like the rushing quarterback. Kyler Murray has one year so far where he was the rushing quarterback. So obviously you want the rushing guys for the floor, but like targeting like the guy that's going to be the guy that gets like 60 rushing yards a game or whatever. And a couple touchdowns, it, it, it's not going to repeat because they figure these guys out. Also, you can't handcuff a quarterback. So, like, if you're round two running back, 
goes down, someone that gets behind him is getting those snaps. So you can handcuff that, but that's not going to happen when your QB goes down. So you're wasting that like high value spot on someone that's irreplaceable um, in, in your lineup. Um, whereas you can find like usually like the 15th ranked QB on the way for wire, maybe even higher because people have like grudges against certain QBs and stuff like that. Um, so like the top two QBs last year were Allen and Murray. Um, Murray went in the seventh, I think. Um, so that's what I'm saying. Like, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like counts on a QB in seven. I think Allen went later. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, that was the ADP. He fell a little bit in our league. I was the Josh Allen owner and I drafting at the number one spot. I was drafting at the round eight and nine turn. And I noticed Allen had fallen around or two. I drafted Josh Allen. He turned out to be the quarterback one. So I do think rushing quarterbacks are what you want to target if you're going late round. Pick somebody with upside. Like this year, it's probably Jalen Hurts. He might rise in ADP. But right now, he's sitting at 12. I bet you can that get him in round seven. Steal. Yeah. I, yeah. I think he'll go in around seven. But somebody like him. I mean, even Joe Burrow is right behind Jalen Hurts. Like there are quarterbacks late who are going to produce for you. And they will be very, very comparable most weeks to uh, Dak Prescott, who is quarterback five. You're going to have to draft him in maybe the fifth or sixth round. So at that point, you you should be drafting wide receivers. There are a huge chunk of wide receivers in that Yeah, list, list some of the guys who are in that range. Yeah, so for wide receiver, let's see. We've got – who did I just mention at quarterback? Dak. Yeah, so Dak Prescott, he's sit, I mean, of course, this is early ADP, but we've got T. Higgins, who I'm very high on. Right above him, C.D. Lamb, also very high on. Right below Dak, Brandon Ayuk. You've got Tyler Lockett, who was, you know, intermittent, but he will still produce. Will Fuller beyond him. I mean, Tyler Lockett is the perfect wide receiver, too. Give That's me Tyler Lockett any day yeah. over fucking Dak Prescott. Yeah. I mean, I love Dak. Down is DJ well, I don't Jordan, love Dak. Tyler Boyd, Juju Smith-Schuster. Like, there are some good wide receivers there. You do not need to be drafting a quarterback at that point. Yeah. So, do you know who the QB three was last year? I don't know. Just by stats, was it Kyler? It was no, was uh, no, no. Murray was one um, or two. It was like Allen and Murray, or Murray and Allen. It was Aaron Rodgers. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Of Where do you think Aaron Rodgers went last year? Like 10th? I, I think he went 11th or 10th or 12th in most leagues, yeah. Exactly. So it's like, okay, so the f- number four QB was Mahomes. Like who's going in the first, second, third round, depending on what lead you in? Um, it's, it's very easy for us to say like, oh, hindsight, you should have made right. this and done this. But all I'm saying is this is a trend every year with quarterbacks. Like – the, the the teams figure out the quarterbacks that, that rush and they find a way to stop them, whether they throw seven fast defensive backs on the field, they find a way to do it. Um, and, and so that guy rarely repeats. And, and the more, the, the bigger value here is like, okay, so like, let's talk about like, uh, I hate to say him, Deshaun Watson, who probably won't be on the board next year. Hopefully he's not on the board. If this, I mean, if this stuff is true or Russell Wilson, these are like fifth, what fifth, sixth round QBs, right? At least they were last year. Um, yeah, they'll be around there. So they're averaging 23 and a half points a game. Ryan Tannehill and Tom Brady averaged 21 points a game. So that's like not even two points for guys that last year, I don't even, Tom Brady wasn't even drafted in our league, I don't think. 
Um, no, he, he was by Brandon because he's a Tampa Bay homer, but it was late. It was 11th round. It was far after, I think Matt Ryan even fell in our league to the 10th round and he drafted Tom Brady after that. So, yeah, exactly. Now, the, now the difference here is like Tom Brady. I mean, he's a bad example. I know these guys like Tom Brady, Tannehill, maybe they're more consistent. Whereas like Wilson and Watson and those like later guys will have like the 30, 35 point, you know, the big games that'll just like win you a matchup on their games alone. And so maybe that's what you're paying the premium for. But in terms of like averaging points out of the position, there's no reason to go higher than round seven, in my opinion. It's like the difference between the number one QB and the number 10 QB is less than four points a game. Um, and Or no, excuse me, that's one in five. And then one in 10 is eight points a game. Oh, wait, I'm reading this totally wrong. Let me start over. Let's run it back. Uh, okay, let's run it back. So the difference between the number one QB and the number 10 QB is less than four points a game. So like compare that to other positions. Number yeah, one wide receiver, number 10, it's eight points. Running back, it's 10 points a game. That's a game. That's not on the season. That's per game. Right. So, you know, um, now four points a game, across 15 games, 16 games, whatever, still, you know, 60 points on the season, but that's the number 10 QB who, you know, you just drafted him to be a stud on your roster. Yeah. Yeah. As a supplement, as a consistent performer. Yeah. Like right now, Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford, you can get them in probably the 11th round in next year's draft or this year, 2021's draft. Oh, Matt Stafford. I'm all over Matt Stafford. That's Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can draft these quarterbacks late, and instead of drafting a quarterback like Dak Prescott in the fifth round or sixth round, you can pick up somebody like CeeDee Lamb, uh, you know, Brandon Ayuk, who we just mentioned. Like, there are very valuable wide receivers you need on your roster at that point in the draft, and you do not need to be spending up on a quarterback. Yeah, and I feel like we've been talking a lot about the wide receiver position. I'm assuming that the running backs in that range aren't worth managing your future on, but... uh, Yeah, that goes back to commandment one and two, my friend. There are not many running backs that I would like to mention around that ABP. You see, this fantasy-based religion, everything aligns. Unlike other religion, things make sense here. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, it's like... And... uh, yeah, no, I think I think I'm with you all the way. Um, that there's there's just you need to take those wide receivers because the QBs, yeah, the point differentials is just not the same. And who knows what wide receiver like like who knows if T Higgins is like the next AJ Green? You know, um, you know, it's better to take that risk. You know what you're getting, but for the most part, out of a quarterback. Um, yeah, at that point, you're drafting T Higgins as your most likely your wide receiver three, maybe your wide receiver two. And even then I'd be happy with him as my wide receiver two, because that means I got two running backs and another something skill position. Like my wide receiver one is probably already drafted. Like there are just so many middle round wide receivers. And that goes back with all the other commandments. Yeah. Running backs need to be drafted early because they dry up in round three and four. You cannot draft a good running back. You feel great about in those rounds, but there are wide receivers like Mike Evans will be drafted after, you know, James Robinson and Josh Jacobs, who who's to say those are sure things. Like I would much rather have Mike Evans as my wide receiver too, 
than James Robinson as my running back to or oh yeah James Robinson sketches me out let me tell you like I know he had an amazing season but the dude like you watch him run and it's like he's just like this like like he looks like Frank Gore now like the way he runs you know (laughs) he doesn't look like Frank Gore back then he looks like Frank Gore now he's just like not fast and he does like blow through people but sometimes I'm like god can this guy do the same thing I hope he can because it'd be amazing but um you never know what those like that those those like you remember uh well do you remember what's his name broncos running back philip Lindsay. um oh yeah he had that like one ascendant season now he's a different player he's a small guy but still like it's you know these guys that are just like the undrafted great stories i'm always wary of targeting them in fantasy because you know you never know what lightning in a bottle they captured Exactly. That does seem to be a mantra in the NFL. You know, you get all this production out of a very cheap asset running back and you're not beholden to their progress. You don't need them to succeed in your franchise to be a successful coach, but you were a successful coach already by using them to that effect for that year. So it's very easy to pivot from them. So yeah, James Robinson, I loved him. I was able to draft him before the season started, off waivers, I mean. And I would love to draft him again, but I don't feel certain of his production at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, those are our first five commandments for the day. We'll be back next week with the next five. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Dane, any final thoughts? I mean, I'm just happy we're launching this thing. It's going straight to the moon, baby. It's awesome. I'm loving doing this. We're going to be consistent with it. We're going all the way, I mean, 10 years. How how far are we going with this, man? <laughs> um, as long as football's still sport before they shut this thing down, man. And uh, androids. Yeah, exactly. We're not <laughs> drafting androids. We're anti-android football. Um <laughs> You know, and you know, if you listen, if you're one of the few listeners out there, I'm sure we'll like hit some algorithm streams and maybe like, you know, some like, I don't know, maybe there's like some fantasy football players in Ukraine that'll like hear this or something like that. If you have any suggestions, um, there's no way to get in contact with us. So hold on to them until we get very popular and then we'll have like a website and, and then you can give us those suggestions. Um, we will be rolling out social media before our next podcast. So we'll be able to shamelessly plug you into all of those outlets by then. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be great. It's, it's going to be great. If you disagree with any of the commandments, I'd love to know, because we'll respond to those disagreements, whether, because like, you know, the thing is like, all this stuff is bullshit. So, oh, you know, bullshit. if all you make speculative a, bullshit. Yeah. If you make a good enough argument, you could change one of the commandments. See, that could make you like, you know, like God himself um, or herself or their self. So, um, yeah. Uh, Dane, any, you know, any personal life updates? How's your personal life going? Uh, It's pretty good. I can't say I have any recent developments. I did get married four months ago. It's pretty hype. You were at the wedding. Plugged that Chase Edmonds bag into the content <laughs> here today, but it was great. Uh, I do want to shout out one of our league mates, Jacob. Just got engaged last week. Congratulations, Jacob! Guy. So happy for him. 
they're going to be great together. Can't wait to go to that wedding. He better fucking invite us or I will never trade with him again. He, he is the trade hawk in our league, so that would definitely disappoint him. So, you know, a little a little bait there, but I think it'll happen. I would love to go to that wedding, you know, assuming COVID is vac- you know, we're getting vaccines and all. It's safe. It's safe, you know. Everyone's being safe. But that's all I had to say. Shout out to him. Shout out yeah. myself. Congratulations, Jacob. Um, everything is going good here. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, probably head over. I did this, uh, this like uh, river cleanup thing, and the reward for the river cleanup is you get like a free beer. And uh, so the at the brewery downtown. So we're gonna go down there. They have a uh, a uh, a sour that's like a uh, based on like they're doing them for each of the zodiac signs, and it's like the Aries sour. And it has like uh, candied jalapenos in, in like the flavors. So I'm excited to try that. Um, other than that, you know, I'm just excited to get this vaccine. Um, you know, excited for the Biden administration. <laughs> um, just in terms of, you know, it's great to be an American. Um, Watch out for those stairs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, you know, you know, uh, bless y'all. Uh, you know, uh, salutations. And we'll see you next week.